Good afternoon. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Lotus Eaters, not Eaters, episode. I've had much sleep. Curly man. Yeah, uh, welcome to the podcast of the Bicep Curlers, um, episode 700. <laughs> That's going in out of context, isn't it? Yeah, already. Yeah, oh, well. Congratulations. Uh, this is episode 729 on the 29th of August, 2023. And today I am joined by my effervescent co-host, Connor Tomlinson. Well, thank you very much. Round of applause in the chat, please. And uh, we're going to be talking about the ULES Blade Runners, uh, Donald Trump winning Dahood over. Um, all he needed to do was be caught committing crimes, apparently. Um, and the human trafficking trade that nobody talks about. And uh, before we get into the news, though, just to let everybody know that tomorrow afternoon at 3.30 UK time, we'll be doing a very special Rumble Live because we are a very serious and in-depth news organization where we'll be talking about the humiliation of Logan Paul. Now, if any of you have been seeing this, if you've been going on your Prol feed on Twitter instead of using the followers and you just go on the For You section where Elon has hand-curated all of the tweets that you see, you'll probably be seeing that Logan Paul's fiance has um, <clears throat> explored a bit in her time in LA. And uh, we'll just be going over that. It'll be me, Connor, and Carl. And it'll just be a bit of a lad's hour. We'll have a bit of laugh. So please tune into that on Rumble Live at 3.30 tomorrow. With that, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into it? No, only that it was Carl's idea, so you can't bro blame any of us for how lowbrow it's definitely going to be. It'll be funny. Yeah, Come on, join in. It'll be a great laugh. All right, and with that, let's get into it then. All right, fantastic. So Sadiq Khan's ultra-low emission zone comes into effect today in all London boroughs, meaning the likes of my dad has now got his car, which is perfectly functional, just locked on the drive. So you can't go anywhere. Um, apparently it's for net zero, and to improve London's air quality. We'll, we'll get to how that's... London's air quality. Yeah, but it's If you wanted to improve that down some of these boroughs, you would outlaw all takeaway restaurants. Yeah, well, most of the London suburbs that is now coming into effect is... Think of the Indian food. Well, you English, you went out for all the spice and you didn't bring any back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nowhere near as built up as the regular city. So I live in a place where there's no tube line and there's still a bit of greenery. But no, we, we can't drive our car to local supermarkets. So are you not even... Even if, for instance, say that you have, uh, I don't know, some kind of secure tax haven compound out of London, and you wanted to just drop your car off there because you didn't even want to have the hassle of it being in your driveway. You still have to pay the ULES charge if you're just transporting your own car out of the city to have it somewhere that isn't London. Oh yeah, we'll also find out that if you um, if you were to go back up to the north and stay, and then go, oh, I, I, had, to, I had to fly, and it's really cheap to fly from Heathrow, so I'm going to drive and just park my car there while I go on holiday. You have to pay the charge to drive into London Heathrow now. Yeah, I... I have actually run into the ULES before because at the moment when I, well, at the moment it's expanded even further, but last one of the last times I went into London and accidentally ended up in Brixton because I was going to see a gig. I'm so I, sorry. I would never go to Brixton for any other reason. Trust me, I honestly saw a robbery happen. It was kind of scary. Um, I paid the ULES charge because Brixton's in the innermost part of London where you do have to pay these charges. And then I got back to my car and I thought, okay, I've paid it at what, like five in the afternoon, come out of the gig, get back to the car at 11. And because it's London, ridiculous traffic takes an hour to drive out, well, over an hour. In that time, it passes over midnight and I get charged again for it. And because of the fact that I didn't know, because I thought, well, obviously it'll be a 24 hour carryover. No, it's just for the explicit day that you're there. And if it hits midnight and you're still there, if you've not paid it, you will get fined for it. So I got 
after I got home. I got a 60 quid fine for it. So thank you, Sadiq. Well, as you'll later learn, you kind, could have just, kind man could have just not paid that at all and gotten away with it. And also, it turns out that uh, a group of people that we cannot endorse for legal reasons have made it so that you might not have to pay it at all because some of the recognition cameras have been mysteriously sabotaged in the dead of night by a group calling themselves the Blade Runners. Oh well, no! Anyway, yeah, exactly. My thoughts. Um, uh, don't don't pick up on that GCHQ. I don't endorse any of this. I don't know any of these people, and they're definitely not doing God's work. Also, Blade Runners is a little bit of a cringy name. Yeah, it's fine. Before we get into that, I would like to direct you to our website where for as little as £5 a month you can access our premium content and germane to this topic, learn about how cities are dreadful and you shouldn't live in them because they are human battery farms of the worst people imaginable. They induce anxiety. They, um, way back when there was still lead in petrol fumes, were causing really high crime rates and they are the dregs of civilization. So get out of them like London. Yeah, it's just the lead. can. Well, yes. <laughs> the, the changing demographics may have changed Although, the crime rate. I will say, if you are one of those utmost dregs of society that lives in a city and will continuously vote for the sorts of policies that put in people who like will destroy those cities, you can stay. You can stay. Don't don't move out. Maybe you deserve it. I mean, London deserves better than Sadiq Khan. And speaking of which, this is Sadiq Khan boasting about bringing in you, Les. So he's. Uh, uh, Bear in mind, this is today, nearly 700,000 drivers will face paying a £12.50 a day charge to use an otherwise perfectly usable car. That's 25% of all cars in the city, according to the RAC. And in addition, there are 120,000 other vehicles like minibuses and lorries that may not fall within his very strange list of exemptions. And this new London-wide Eula zone includes Heathrow, as I said. So anytime someone wants to drive for their holidays, he's going to get be getting an extra bit of revenue for that to paper over the gaping hole he's left in TfL's finances. Sadiq Khan's argued this is necessary because the air quality in the capital is a health emergency. About 4,000 Londoners die prematurely due to causes linked to pollution every year, starting in 2019. We'll get to the validity of that stat later. Linked to... I imagine he's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, died with pollution within 28 days of taking a breath. (laughs) Uh, Khan told The Guardian that he had visited a children's hospital after the death of nine-year-old Ella Kissy Deborah, who was the first person to have air pollution listed as her cause of death in an inquest in the UK because she had very severe asthma. Now, I would presume there are probably other factors involved in that. I'm not an expert on the case, but considering it was the first person and we're capitalizing off of one, and then we have this 4,000 statistic that's very dubious coming up later, and considering that air quality in London just keeps increasing every year because of technology and the various things that they can do with catalytic converters and cars, etc. Smells to me a little bit like manufactured consent to take the car away, but, but, but there you go. There's going to be a £160 million scheme run by TfL to help you scrap your own car. So it's going to give you £2,000 to get rid of your old car so you can then go and buy a really expensive new one. Two grand, that's it. Of your own tax back. Of your own tax back. Okay. And you're in London, so they'll probably charge you for the benefit anyway. So you'll probably get, what, like a £500 surcharge on that. So that'll be £1,500. Something like that. Also, just a quick anecdote. My uncle decided, because he lives in the Bromley Borough, to get rid of his old van. And he got, when he got rid of it, um, he got it rid of it a week before. They upped the scrappage incentive to £7,000. So they upped it. They scaremongered everyone. And so he lost out on a load of his own money back and has shelled out a lot more money for a van that he could have otherwise kept because it was working just fine. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't... I hate London. I don't... I make a point to try not to go there as often. on the areas. As much as possible. Yeah, I'm sure there's still nice areas, but I still just... 
wouldn't want to because it's just a hassle to get into. If you're not getting a train into there, and even then the train tickets to get into London, depending on where you're starting off from, will be ridiculously expensive in the first place. If you're driving into there, then you've got to worry about all of this stuff. And if you're not driving into there, but you're driving into the outskirts and trying to hope to get a tube from the outskirts into the uh, deeper into London, you've got to worry that the outskirts, how far can I drive around these outskirts before I end up on a one-way road that has no turnoffs that'll take me straight into a ULEZ zone. It's such a hassle to do even be able to get there. And so, you know, I'm more than happy for them to just, I don't know, with London, close off the exits. Uh, close Harry, off the I still live no, there. Well, you shouldn't. Well, uh, you try getting a house price literally anywhere at X amount of age. Uh, th- this, this is also fair. I'll make an exception for you. Yeah, I'll right. dig you Thank like you. a great escape underground yeah. tunnel that you can <laughs> the, so- the sovereign is he who decides yeah. the exception. There definitely. you go. King the, of London has said. The other, the other interesting factor as well is that Sadiq Khan closed all the bus lanes for any other vehicle. So before COVID, it used to be only a set amount of time during rush hour you couldn't drive in them. Mm. And so he's made them very large because London has a very interconnected bus network. He decided to do an 18-month trial of closing all the bus lanes and concentrating uh, all the traffic into single car lanes. so permanent as a temporary government program. Yeah, it's, it's not been lifted yet. And so what ends up happening is it increases the congestion, elongates rush hour, and so it just so happens that emissions start ticking up because more people are sitting in traffic right before he suggests Euler's. Mm. Mm, definitely not manufactured consent. And, and speaking of which, um, this is... Are we is... thinking that Sadiq Khan is playing 4D chess or is he just an idiot? Um, I, 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 I think, think he the... probably received some of his opinions from on high considering yeah. one of the environmental graphics he shared at the start of the year was from the World Economic Forum. But I, I, I mean, because obviously with the immigration, the fact that he wants more and more immigration into London, presumably from countries that share his national ethnicity, then I assume that that is him trying to play 4D chess even though it's very blatant to try and make sure that he's got permanent voting block. With other things, I kind of just think that he's a confused, bumbling idiot. Um, I think think he's stupid. I think that he's trying to position himself for a job at the UN or the WEF or the like, and so he'll implement whatever policy on whatever timeline he is given. And so he will just put money in the right places and say the right things to try and marginalize opposition as far right. What job would he have at the UN or the WEF? Or does he like stand there in the bathrooms holding towels for people? It'd probably just some, be some kind of policy advisor. They invent jobs for these people, let's yeah. be fair. And, and speaking of manufacturing consent, the, the Times looked into where does this claim of 4,000 people a year dying come from? And they found that the, it came from an Imperial College London Environmental Research Group study. It used data on particulate matter and nitrogen oxide in London's air to estimate these pollutants cause the equivalent of between 3,600 and 4,100 deaths a year. So he's going with a, a middling number that sounds nice and round and high. In the UK, particulate matter is released mostly by burning wood and coal in domestic fires and stoves. So road transport only makes up 12% of emissions. So that's very low, but all right. So the figure doesn't mean 4,000 people die a year as a direct result of air pollution. The research paper explains that between 61,800 and 70,200 life years, effectively life expectancy, are lost every year. So this doesn't mean that 4,000 people die a year. So they (laughs) came to me in a dream. Essentially, that's the level. I I danced around the oogie boogie fire and discovered that we are all having 70,000 life years taken away. The spirit of London is losing its vibrancy. Why are you Benjamin Zephaniah? I don't know. Who is that? <laughs> that's, the, that's the Jamaican poet that's on 
you, you covered those bloody underground poems. That were I on. purged these things from my mind. That's probably for the best. Another way of presenting the same research is that each person in London is losing an average of 2.5 to 2.8 days of life expectancy every year. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right, okay. So you have to abandon your My car. extended weekend, no. <laughs> Now, there is a conflict of interest in this data. Uh, some critics have raised concerns over the fact that the research group in Imperial College was commissioned by the mayor's office and wasn't peer-reviewed. So Sadiq Khan paid for his own research to then generate the consent and the reason... And then had nobody else look over it. Yeah. The Environmental Research Group received £800,000 of taxpayer funding from Khan's administration over the past two years. Some other research that Sadiq Khan funded, but weirdly they don't cite... Last year, the mayor's office commissioned Jacob Solutions, which is an American professional services firm, to examine the impact of expanding ULES as of today. In its 200-page assessment, published in May, it predicted the extension will reduce both particulate matter and nitrogen oxide dioxide levels this year, although only by a minor and moderate percent. Now, by minor, they mean 0.1, and by moderate, 1.4. So, so this is like, don't worry, guys, house prices have finally dropped for the first time in years by 0.1%. The West is saved. I'm going to save up for my um, countryside mansion right now. That could be a a rounding or recording error. It's that minuscule. And then it turns out that if you look, and this is something that LBC did, a little investigation. If you look at the air pollution on the underground, um, if if I just skip back a bit. So just how polluted is the underground? Let's go and find it. So if you look at that, that's the the numbers above ground in a train station, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Parts, parts per molecule is, is 2.5 odd. And if you go to the underground, it's about 130. So where Sadiq Khan is encouraging everyone to go because they've no longer got a car is well over 100 times more polluted. And then any adverse health effects that will come from that will be used as further evidence for why they need to expand it even more and why they need to clamp down with even more random, nonsensical measures to try and protect people's health. Spot on. There you go. So it's not about the environment. Just spend all this money. Just give everyone a free bicycle in London. Yeah, but I don't want more cyclists. They're already annoying enough. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be um, a a, a full on, I'm going to uh, hand fist smashes down on the freedoms of London peoples. Just close all the roads. Give everyone a bicycle and go off your trot. Don't give them ideas, please. And, and speaking of more useless government officials, uh, this is the Transport Secretary, Mark Harper, who, brace yourself, lads, he's written a strongly worded letter. Oh. I'm, I'm sure this will come to something. Thank God. Yeah, and, and he said, the government does not have the legal power to stop it. Yes, you do. Now, there was a community note on this that's been mysteriously removed that did say the Conservatives have about an 80-seat majority and they could just pass legislation blocking it. And Nigel Farage has already looked into various legal avenues that you could use to prevent ULES being rolled out. But bear in mind, the Conservative government actually tacitly agrees with this, because Grant Schatz, when he was Transport Minister, and he's still heavily on net zero, encouraged Sadiq Khan to expand ULES. So the Conservative government are just posing as opposition so they can try at the ballot box next year when they're set for a Labour blowout to look more popular than the Labour Party. But both parties agree that this is a good thing. Of course they do. I hate parliamentary British politics. I hate the Uniparty. I want it all to crash and burn. Yeah. As you've often said, the Conservative Party, bar maybe one or two decent MPs relegated to the backbenches who are castrated by being rebels and, and isolated from the front bench, they exist only to sandbag actual right-wing opposition and effective movement from happening. Whilst also on a national level being the most radically left-wing party that the UK has ever had. 
And it turns out that we're going to get even more radically left-wing. And again, the Conservative Party actually agree with this because they've, they've looked into this for electric cars. ULEZ is actually a pilot scheme for the entire country. So this is a report from the Daily Mail. London Mayor Sadiq Khan has called for an army of experts, because we've all had enough of those, to build a sophisticated new pricing system for the capital's roads using the cameras installed for his hugely controversial ULEZ zone and congestion charge. It would mean drivers could incur charges based on the length of the trip taken, the congestion levels on the roads, and the levels of pollution emitted. So a kind of carbon credit score for your own individual commuter. A source said, it is an open secret in City Hall that it's being worked on. A dedicated website called Project 2030, ah, just also happens to convene on that. Yeah, what a coincidence. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. Contains a request for engineers to join TfL, that's Transport for London, to lead the way in introducing a new, more sophisticated type of road pricing. Although Mr. Khan has denied any plans for per-mile charging, papers produced by the Mayor's office and TfL explain how road pricing could work. Quote, new technology could be used to integrate existing schemes, such as the congestion charge, low emission zone and ultra low emission zone into a smarter, simpler and fair scheme that would charge motorists on a per mile basis. Different charging rates would apply depending on variables such as how polluting a vehicle is, the level of congestion in the area and access to public transport. So that really polluted public transport that he wants you to get on. The document, which was part of a consultation on ULEZ, added, we are now starting to explore the potential for future road user charging. A well-placed source said the cameras from ULEZ and the congestion charge could be used to develop the levy. So the number plate recognition cameras that caught you going through at midnight, Thank they're going to be for however, wherever you decide to travel and arbitrarily apply you a certain charge based on whatever arbitrary metric of carbon or pollution they calculate. And the the, the problem is as well that these cameras don't work very well in the first place, or at least the people administering them don't really know what to do, their, don't know how to do their jobs. And if they're using automated systems, then yeah, there's a massive wide margin forever. Error. There was a recent situation that I found myself in where um, uh, I was dropping off my missus to go to work in the morning at a supermarket because she was working at a supermarket. And I went in, you know, before work, dropped her off about 8.30. I'm only there in that car park for five minutes tops because I'm just dropping her off. And then I come to work, do my, do my day's job, go back there so that I can pick her up in the afternoon. Once again, maybe there for 20 minutes tops while I'm waiting for her to finish work. There's about an eight hour, eight and a half hour gap in between these two periods. A few days later, I get a letter from that supermarket because they had caught me parked there for nine hours, which was over the three hours allotted free parking time that you get there. So just because of the fact that at one arbitrary point, they'd noticed me there and another arbitrary point, I'd been there with no crossover I'd, in between. I hadn't been there for the entire day. It just thought that I must have been there for nine hours and decided to charge me off the back of it. And that was presumably all completely automated. Yeah, the incompetence of bureaucracy will get it wrong and then make all the work on you to get your money back and prove yeah. your innocence. It's, it's like in the opening of Brazil where they bust into the wrong guy's apartment because they got the, the wrong letter. I, yeah, yeah, the fly fell into the typewriter machine, gave the wrong net, uh, letter. Instead of Tuttle, it was Buttle, and someone yeah. dies. Yeah, and then his widow has to claim compensation for her dead husband. Yeah. It's, it's The banality of bureaucracy is going to kick in. Um, last month, the mayor's spokesperson said that per-mile technology was many years away and that there's no prospect of it being introduced in the foreseeable future. That's not very believable. I don't believe you. No, because Patrick Doug, who's the TfL's group finance director, said it is recruiting a significant number of software engineers and other technical specialists to look at designing a future road charging system. 
So the guy at the head of TfL, who's actually responsible for spending the money, said we're doing it. So in comments to a London Assembly meeting seen by the Daily Mail, Mr. Doug said, The mayor has asked us to explore a new technology to see if we can improve the way we charge to make it fairer and smarter. Labour has, of course, dismissed the claims as completely untrue, but the mayor, who chairs TfL as well, said his aim is for 80% of all trips in the capital to be car-free by 2041. So he's deliberately trying to get you out of your cars. So he's trying to price you off the road. So this would be an effective measure to inconvenience people, and they're actively hiring people to do it. So this is the behavioural nudge turning into the shove, and then them trying to gaslight you into saying, well, you're in a different place now, but it's actually a good thing. And you are right that London is always used as the testing grounds for anything that will eventually get thrown out to most of the other built-up areas of England. Yeah, absolutely. So because it doesn't seem like the political establishment is willing to take action on this, because they're all in lockstep, some Direct action has been taken. And, um, well, I can't condone this, but we'll go over to ITV's definitely fair and balanced report on the Blade Runners doing things for themselves. The attacks on ULES cameras are far from subtle. Some have the cables sliced or ripped out. Others are repositioned so they point at the sky or trees instead of traffic. And then there are those which are simply unbolted from their brackets and taken away. This is the A224 in Orpington, where along a two-mile stretch, we counted six junctions where ULES cameras have been targeted. Three cameras were vandalised. Seventeen have been stolen. So why has the London borough of Bromley become a hotspot for ULES sabotage? I honestly don't know, but what I do know, without condoning it in any way, shape or form, is I have been warning amongst others for months and months and months of there being lots of very upset, very scared and increasingly angry people out and about and I think that's manifesting itself on the streets. A few days ago, a figure dressed in black attacked two cameras in the centre of Bromley, apparently unfazed by an audience of drinkers in a local pub. But not everyone approves of the vigilantes. I think it's terrible, terrible, wrong, wrong. Dreadful. I don't know why these people have to do this. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to look after our environment, aren't we? There's no point, right? Like, <laughs> vandalising something's not going to change. Like that, it's expanding. It's pointless. The attacks on the cameras leaves clean air campaigners depressed. They're all across the world now, these clean air zones, and they're working. And then on the other side, you've got people, parents even, who are turning to vandalism and criminal damage. Um, yet, actually, I think it's like they're cutting off their noses to spite their face because these measures will benefit them and their children and all of us, and we all need to breathe cleaner air. Transport for London has now decided to fight back with a new armoured camera. The cables at the back and the bolts which hold the cameras in place will be protected by steel cases. So, just so you're what aware... terrible business. Um, that woman at the end there from Mums for Lungs which is a campaign group that's been pushing for you, Les. It turns out that they're partnered with the Impact on Urban Health, which is part of Guy's and St. Thomas's Foundation, which is an NHS foundation trust. So the NHS is funding campaign groups to say that this problem is worse than it is, so then the mayor can go and pay for also your taxes a research interest group to give him the answers he, he wants to then manufacture the consent to take your car away. This whole network... It's, it's all working in lockstep. So it's unsurprising, as that Bromley City Councillor said there, and the Bromley City Council have actually been half decent on this because they've said, we want to stop this. They've put legal challenges forward. They're my yeah. neighbouring borough. So I think right. a lot of them know that they have to at least voice some kind of concern over it just because of the fact that their voting constituents aren't particularly happy with these measures being put in. 
And if you want to know, uh, once again, I'm not condoning this, but if you want to know what you're up against and whether you're on the right side, just look at the people supporting these things. So we had an overbearing hen pecker at the end there for mums with uh, mums for lungs. Yeah. Ridiculous name. And then you had what? You had a foreigner, um, discount Joe brand. And a guy with a face tattoo. A fat, yeah, fat face tattoo, man. So pathetic. Yeah. Uh, so much like the Bromley City Councillor, we, we can't endorse this because we're legally not allowed to. But it's unsurprising that it's happening. And so, so let's, let's I, take a... I, I will say I do not support the cameras being put there in the first place. That's yes. the most I can say. Yes. So let's take a peruse at, at what's been done here. Um, well... <laughs> well, if you make it so we can't just cut the wires... They'll just cut down the pole. Yeah, so they've, they've just been wrapping them up in banners. In my local area, they've been putting big red stickers with ULES camera and an arrow pointing upwards. So you can... Know where the camera is and avoid it. And it's definitely not a signal for people in the mm. dead of night to go and sabotage them. Someone set fire to one. Uh, they don't know the sand in it. Um, one of the really funny ones here as well. So there was a big car rally of all I'm, the cars. I'm, I'm of course be laughing because this is so tragic to me that if I didn't, I would be weeping. Yeah, it's awful. So there was, they just decided to have a car rally of all the cars that are going to get banned. Uh, and one of the funniest ones as well is a guy decided to cover his caravan in anti ulez stickers and he just parked it outside Sadiq Khan's house. <laughs> so... There we go. Um, not not always the most effective, as as, a, as opposed to illegally cutting down those cameras. And don't do that, lads. It would be terrible. But but people are, are voicing their concerns. So nearly nine out of ten of the ULES cameras have been vandalised in southeast London. That's where I live. Oh dear, how, how terrible! Oh. According to analysis of online crowdsourced data, only twenty nine cameras out of one hundred eighty five in Sydney are working, and only four are intact in Bromley, and just one is working on the A two two five. And, and so we, we can see what's happened here. Uh, the, the Bromley ones have been spray painted over, so they can't see anything. Um, there have been other ones that have had their, their cables cut around Twickenham. And then here's a, a local man. We, we won't play the clip because there's bad language and this is a family show who's just been hoarding them like shiny Charizard cards. Um, <laughs> this is this, this isn't is a very terrible. I, I will say also this isn't a particularly smart move to film your own criminal activity. Yes, um, other, other Blade Runners have been masking themselves up because they're obviously worried about catching COVID and, and he's putting it on his personal TikTok, which I, I wouldn't advise doing, but, but there you go. So over the overall stats that the BBC have got here, over 300 cameras have been damaged or stolen over the last four months. This is, this is 339 reports of cameras that have been reported to the Met Police. The unofficial data mapping of the location of disabled cameras suggests that almost 500 cameras could have been at least affected. Some of them might have been repaired. And we, we, have, a, we have a map here. Um, we're we're going to talk about this map in, in a moment. But this map shows that there are 1,619 cameras outside of the north and south circular roads. 461 of those have been reported as vandalized or stolen. So that's 28% of all of the TfL's network's cameras. TfL are planning to install a total of 2,750 cameras before the expansion comes as of today. So, so about that map, Martin Daubeny points us out. Um, and he says, oh no. Daily Mail have accidentally published a map of all of the ULES cameras. Oh, no. So that drivers can... Be aware. Well, yeah, plot routes around them or maybe even pay them a visit. Like, like you know how people go and look at old World War I telegraph poles? Oh, you pay tribute to them. Yes, exactly, exactly. They definitely wouldn't use this map for any nefarious reasons whatsoever. Well, personally, I would find my nearest ULES camera and I would then from there pinpoint the, uh, pinpoint the direction of Mecca and in tribute to Sadiq Khan, say my prayers. Exactly, yeah. So you can actually do that because there's an interactive tool on, on the Daily Mail. It turns out that you can just uh, search. Apparently the ULES website 
Yeah, you, you can you can search your local area, um, so you can see exactly where your nearest ULES camera is for your for your postcode, and and that's that's really useful. And you know what? Even if you don't do that, even if you fall afoul of ULES, even if some horrible criminal doesn't come in the dead of night and cut it down, it, it turns out that all the signs are terrible. You don't have to pay for it anyway, so you can just put up a a license plate that's fake, which is also illegal. So, so don't do that. But but a man as of last night won a court case that said. Because those ULES signs that you run afoul of, they don't actually say that you have to pay anything. They also are very, very unclear as to where the ULES zones start and end, which is yep. very frustrating. And once again, they don't tell you that if you... I couldn't find it on the website either, um, unless you like go digging into it, that you have to pay for the 24-hour period of the day rather than the 24-hour period from when you pay. So there's, there was no real indication anywhere given to me that I would have to pay twice. So this guy knew that, and so he just didn't pay his fines, and then he got a fine of £11,500. This is Noel Wilcox, and he decided to take it to court, and he won, because unlike the LEZ, no, it is the LEZ signs, unlike the congestion sales signs, which says you have to pay, the ULEZ and LEZ signs don't say you have to pay anything. So he said, well, I just didn't check my phone, I went through the signs, didn't say that I had to pay anything. So how would I know? This is a good point. And so his What if you just got been... a flip phone? What if you're a, a man in a van yep. who's very old-fashioned? I only want to use my text message with the little old buttons. Back I don't have a smartphone. Yep. And and so uh, his fines don't apply. And so they've been thrown out. So all of you that had outstanding fines, if you haven't paid it yet, you you can do the same. This does unfortunately oh, I wish I'd known this last year. Bloody hell. Yeah, this this does unfortunately mean that obviously more of my tax money is is going on reprinting all the bloody signs. In, in the first place. But so I just thought I'd, I'd end up with that. And that is that the entire thing has been rolled out for completely bogus reasons. It's just to inconvenience you off the road. The thing is going to cost more and more money because the cameras keep getting damaged and because the signs are bunk. But I cannot condone anyone going out and finding their local camera and paying homage to it. Definitely don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. Before, before we click off this, I just wanted to point out as well, another reason not to live in London, this in the sidebar. Now, normally... The Daily Mail sidebar is a den of scum and villainy like this. I'm a hairdresser and here are five things you do that stylist hates. Here's woman, Jennifer Aniston. No, no, but this. Final day of Notting Hill Carnival marred by serious violence, say police. Eight people stabbed with man, 29 in critical condition. It could be men around here. <laughs> I hate men. <laughs> yeah. So we can switch that off now, John, but I just thought that was funny. Wonderful. And uh, all right. There we go. Speaking of men, uh, men. Thank you for looking me directly in the eyes when you said that, Harry. <laughs> I felt the connection. Speaking of men that Jimmy Dore would find unsavory, uh, let's talk about Donald Trump. So hide your wives, hide your sisters, hide your mothers, because Donald Trump in da hood. That's right. Donald Trump's mugshot has found itself with a somewhat unexpected audience of admirers, that being Daghetto. What language are you speaking? I think it's called um, Ebonics. Okay. I think that's what they refer to it over in the colonies. That's what the kids call it. Right. That's, that's what the kids call oh, it. I believe the official term should be African-American vernacular English, but it's Ebonics. It's ghetto speak in it, like the way that we're in England we have chav talk in it, bruv. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yes. Or the little mizzies. Gotcha. Yeah. Or the, well, the little Mizzies come over and they give the like the Caribbean Creole and other such dialects to um, white kids who have 
nothing better to do with their time other than try and emulate black kids for some reason and kind of end up with a horrible mixture of both worlds. But yeah, so Donald Trump, we all know he had his uh, his now famous mugshot that was what, last Thursday it was released and it's already become a viral sensation to the point where just off the back of his Georgia mugshot, he's earned himself, he's raised himself $7.1 million. Yeah, the, the hilarious thing that I've seen about this is that this that people were thinking that this wasn't meant to get out. Obviously, the Democrats and the upper echelons didn't want this to be out because it, either they took the, the improper gamble that this was going to make them look good, but I think lots of the Democrat Party apparatchiks knew that Trump would be able to campaign off of this. Of course and, he could. And so I think either Fannie Willis was so dumb a diversity hire that she let it slip out, or I believe Georgia uniquely, this is public records property. So well, all of the rest of the people who were arrested as well seem to have had their mugshots publicly released as well. Yes, by Rudy in, Giuliani. In, in the other indictments, so for example, in New York, we know that Alvin Bragg didn't want Trump's mugshot to get out specifically. Because they knew it would turn into a viral sensation. Exactly. But all that they've done is give him a few practice runs because he obviously, obviously was waiting for this moment so that he could pull his death stare. It's coming for you, Dems. See, that's what he was doing. And it's gone, it's, it's really kicked off. Uh, so obviously this is off the back of his indictments uh, in regards to his BBC says false claims that the election was stolen, the attack by his followers on the Capitol in Washington. Well, this isn't for that. So Which one's is, this for? This, this is for the Georgia, Georgia RICO charge. Yeah, they're they're charging him under the RICO Act like he's a mob boss. Two of those charges involve him retweeting one American news segments that are favorable to him. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and they've just indicted his lawyers for being his lawyers. So being his legal representation is enough to get him indicted. Like Jenna Ellis doesn't have a charge other than being a co-conspirator. She was associated. Trump. Yeah, she was associated with him. So we, we live in the freest and fairest of all civilizations that's ever existed. Not a drop of conspiracy or drop of uh, corruption going on underneath it. But Trump on, on Thursday released, a, released this picture with the caption, election interference, never surrender and the address of his website, which was a genius move. Yeah, it was genius his first move. tweet back as well. Yeah, it was. It, he'd been waiting for the perfect yes. moment. If he had come back with anything else, even if it was a hilarious old-fashioned Trumpism on Twitter like we used to know and love, it still wouldn't have had the impact that this one did. And I think maybe... I, I know he's been in Truth Social for a long time. He's been building his base in Truth Social. Um, but this was the most effective way to come back. Before I carry on on the website... We still have lots of excellent content. We always have lots of excellent articles and videos going out, including this recent one by Simon Webb. I believe this is a free analysis that he put out, so you don't even need a membership on the website, although I know you can afford it. Don't lie to me. Um, but you can access this one for free, where he's talking about the myth of the Caribbean contributions to post-war Britain's reconstruction. Because shockingly, in a country that in the 1950s had a 99.5% white British population, that 0.5% that wasn't white British and was probably mostly South Asian if it wasn't white British um, didn't need a load of Caribbeans to rebuild the country. Yeah, no, Bream Ibrahim, the immigrants did not rebuild Britain after 1945. Prodding the bear. Yeah. But uh, furthermore, on the Trump stuff, they are furious. The left are furious right now because they know they, they can never just hand him a complete L no matter what the situation is, he will just turn it around. He will flip it upside down 
into some kind of win for him. And they're furious. They're just, no, no, you can't think that the picture looks cool. You can't turn this into a meme. You can't raise money off at the back of this. No, he's evil. I can understand why with a contributor photo like hers, with those dead SSRIs, she would be upset at an effective photo. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the first paragraph says it all. Shamelessness can be a superpower. That's right. We're getting straight in there. With that the, should be the Guardian's tagline. Yeah, with the... <laughs> The emotional browbeating, I'm going to henpeck you until you give in. But Donald Trump cannot be longhoused. This man is immune to the longhouse. High energy. <laughs> Donald Trump or inmate hash PO1135809. I'm Poll. Gonna... He's, he's going up in the polls. PO. Oh my goodness. It all makes a sense. sense. Irony. I can feel the intelligent hand guiding everything right now. It's, it's, it's giving me vitality. But that's as described in his booking record, has proved time and time again. He shattered norms, flouted ru- uh, rules, shrugged off scandals, and generally got away with doing whatever the hell he feels like. Is this supposed to be a yeah. condemnation Look, or an I, advertisement? I already wanted to vote for the guy. I mean. The left always make him so much cooler <laughs> than, he or, than he actually is every time. Never has anyone tested the idea that there's no such thing as bad publicity quite as much as the former president. You couldn't pay. You couldn't pay for this kind of advertisement from a PR powerhouse if you wanted to. I would love this. You might as well just come out and say, he's a maverick. He's the man who's going to change the world. The Caesar that will be the strong man to guide us. Yeah, okay, fantastic. Sign me up. Yeah, and it's so much that everybody knows that they can make money off this, not just Donald Trump. He's raised, what, over $7 million at this point. Now Green Day are trying to make money off of it as well. Green Day possibly still trying to remain relevant literally 19 years after American Idiot, the last good thing they ever released, have decided, well, in, in you know, celebration of the what, like 26th anniversary of their album Nimrod, that they would release this picture of Donald Trump's face with Nimrod on it. And once again, you can't make him look uncool with this because... You can put Nimrod on it, but it's still a cool shirt. Did you see that Tim Pool has printed shirts? You know the Barack Obama Hope poster, the red, white, and blue? He's done one of Trump's mugshot and it just says vengeance. It's <laughs> quite good, actually. It's cool. Yeah, and the funny thing is, to be fair, to Green Day here, actually, once again, you know, they've they've been struggling a bit over the past 15 or so years. They've not exactly been relevant. They've put out no good music, as far as I'm concerned. But if this sells, to put it out for 72 hours, the money would be used to provide food to those affected by the Mui Maui wildfires. So that's actually a, a, a nice cause. Mm. So at least even though it's cringe, left-hard nonsense, it's still going for something good, hopefully. I, I mean, they are supporting the corporations and the politicians like Obama who are actively profiting off of the wildfires by coming in and buying up all the cheap land for a smart city. But still... Suppose virtue signaling is, is, has its, it's worth. It's, it's better than nothing, isn't it? But outside of all that, the funniest response to me and the thing that we're going to look at, and I'm just going to say this is normally a family-friendly show. The language included from this point on I have no control over will not render this part particularly family-friendly, I'll have to be honest, um, is all of a sudden the ghetto decided to see a picture of Donald Trump in a mugshot and went, OMG, he literally me for real. Wait, is it that Stone Toss comic of where all the black girls are pointing at the Black Little Mermaid and go, oh, I identify with this, and it cuts to all the black guys pointing at Goku. Go- going Goku going Super Saiyan. Yeah, he's like me. Well, I mean, there is, uh, in fact, actually, uh, John, uh, no, I don't have it, but there is 
I'm going to spoil something here. Oh no. But if I... I want to turn the music off. I'm, uh, the music's off, don't worry, there's copyright music. All, all of them... No, no, go back. Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, gentlemen. All you folks watching at home, where is it? How are you boomering it? I am boomering it just a little press bit. Play. Where is he? Just press he play. keeps skipping past. Where is it? Just press play. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone past it. I've not gone past it. It's here somewhere. It. Uh, there he is. Oh, no. <laughs> I boomed it. Either way, there is Super Saiyan Donald Trump, and you've got all the black guys going, uh, at that one. Someone needs to make that edit. That's going to be a lousy as our context. <laughs> anyway. Listen, guys, I had a long weekend, all right? I'm still recovering, all right? But some people, like the Citizen Free Press, are saying, oh, my God, the energy is shifting. And this segment's a bit of fun. I don't want to burst everybody's bubble to start off with. But no, you're not going... Just because a, a mugshot came out, doesn't mean that you're not going to that you're suddenly going to get this groundswell of support from black Americans that are actually going to go and vote for Republicans. That's not going to happen. You have far too many gibs being offered by the Dems in the first place. And Donald Trump having a mugshot that makes them go, OMG, he literally me, will not in fact convince many of them to go out and vote for a party that they think is literally the devil, that they think is literally the Ku Klux Klan coming and lynching them on the street every single day. They associate the Republicans with Derek Chauvin, who they think put his knee on the neck of George Floyd and killed him. No. The Democrats, yes, are the party of the fentanyl dealer that actually killed George Floyd, but they don't know, they don't care, they don't watch anything that actually gives them that information. They stay in their circles and get Democratic propaganda 24-7. So this might burst a few out, and make a few of them go like, oh, he's being persecuted by the state, just like me. They won't vote for him. So I'm just going to burst the bubble of any, you know, conning center-rightist. It won't be in nearly the numbers as projected. There may be a fraction of a few percentage points because the Democrats have been beating, as part of the BLM narrative as well, the mass incarceration narrative for a long time. And so some of the videos that we've seen, uh, yes, they might just be for black Twitter and TikTok, but they might also be sincere in that, well, they, they know um, brothers. Their entire, lively, their, their entire worldview is built around the idea that the state is persecuting them. Yeah, so they might know family members or friends who are locked up for what they believe to be spurious charges, and so they might actually identify with Trump a little bit. So, so I won't kill the momentum yeah. outright. It just so They are identifying with Trump. Just don't expect all of a sudden for there to be record numbers of black voters come out specifically so that they can... Yeah. Him put my boy. Yeah, Clarence Thomas is not leading a million man march out of Compton anytime soon. Heartbreakingly, that is the truth. But I thought it would still be funny to look over at some of the reactions that's been had. So this first one is there's this gentleman wearing this not at all vulgar shirt. Harry, do not read the shirt. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Don't no, I won't. It. Don't worry. I, I won't read the shirt, but it is funny. So black man for Trump, and I'm wearing my shirt, niggas for Trump 2024, and I mean that. What do you think about the indictment? Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's going around the country, you know, fantasy. So that's, that's some of the ideas. And this gentleman is one of, to be fair, he seems like a rather pleasant gentleman. He's one of the more, um, he's one of the more eloquent speakers regarding this. He's quite laid back. Yeah, he's a very laid back guy. He's going around, he's standing around outside of events and things going on, wearing this particular shirt. So 
that's some good advertisement. And I do find it funny that they are all rallying around this sort of language as well. Because it's not, it's not, you know, a refined black gentleman for Trump. No, this is like the, the, the ghetto attitude for Trump. This is the NWA mm. for Trump because of the fact that it really does appeal straight to that ghetto attitude of, I've been persecuted by the state, man. They're trying to get me and my family, man. That kind of attitude. I, I'm saying man, but really they would be saying a different word that yes. YouTube forbids me. Yes. You understand what I mean, though? I do understand what you mean, yes. Yeah, and let's, let's see who else has been putting it out there. So there was a pro uh, police procession through. Oh, and then we listen to this. What's one of hand, though? So you can just hear them all shouting, free Trump, free Trump, as they go past. Yeah, which is, so obviously you don't know how sincere it is. It may just be that it's a spectacle and so participating in said spectacle is fun. But it's still getting people out. And but it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And it's the sort of people that you wouldn't be expecting to do this either. Well, yeah, this black women. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, this seems weirdly organic. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe there's some big money behind this. I, I, but I, I somehow don't, doubt it. I don't see it because this isn't the sort of action that big money no. gets you. Because this, this is just a bunch of people in a residential neighborhood as some police cars drive past shouting, free Trump, free Trump, as they go past. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Shockingly, we also have this. We heard love Trump, the first president in the history of country that had his mugshot taken in Atlanta, Georgia. So I love that there's some pride of place taken that it was in Atlanta. Yep. As well, they're just like, yeah, he, he he's one of us now. Does that make Trump the first black president? He's blacker than Obama. I mean, to be fair, no, right, okay. If you're going by the authentic black experience, which yes. they always talk about black as a political category rather than just a skin color, ethnicity, racial category, then yeah, Trump. It, Trump's all about the money. Yep. He's all about the bitches. He's been in rap songs many a time. They loved him before he became president. He was an idol because of the f uh, the wealth aesthetic. Yep. Because he was somebody who would go out there in gold, in glitter, in chains. Well, not in chains. Well, now he's in chains. Yep. And they loved him for that. And this has brought back that hood respect for him. So the other hilarious thing that I've pointed out before as well is when I went to Washington recently, I went around the portrait gallery and they have a presidential portrait exhibit. Trump has never had one painted because he didn't finish out his second term. Instead, he just got a blown up photo that he took when he, he came into office. Is it the one of him with the McDonald's? Because that'd be amazing. Is it? No, but that would be brilliant. <laughs> but now I guarantee his mugshot is going to be in the National Portrait Gallery alongside yeah. it. This is legendary moment. Yeah. So he, he will be like, Punished Trump, punished yeah. president. So it's it's going to be basically like Black American Mecca. So the National Portrait Gallery, you're going to have people coming and paying homage to the first president Wait. who got its who so got his mugshot. What, what is Obama's background? For one, I know that he's mixed race, yeah. but in his mannerisms, Kenyan and he was he was raised by I believe his grandparents and no, he's adopted from in Hawaii, and he was his dad was Kenyan and I'm, I think his mum was white. Yeah, but he he comes from. As far as I remember, a rather affluent background. He didn't really struggle. No. He, wasn't he a lawyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, whereas Trump obviously also came from a very affluent background, but now has been persecuted and also appealed to the same kind of aesthetics that the ghetto 
finds appealing in the first place. It's very, very interesting. And you can see it here with the, these Vox Pops that they just went out and said, what do you love about Trump? I quit Trump, to be honest with you. Bro, for real, Trump really did this shit. And I like him because he's about money. It wasn't about no politics. He wanted to make America great again. Through Trump. I'm like, Trump, we making sure to get their bread. I ain't gonna lie. I'm thinking Trump for life. Trump for life. I ain't gonna lie. Blood on the Trump. Trump wanted us to get off our ass and get some money. Trump 20. <laughs> See, there you go. All Trump needed to do to win the black vote in 2020, apparently, was release a collab. Well, one of them was literally selling his mixtapes on the side of the road. He needed to release a diss track on um, Biden, and that yeah. got him all the votes he could have wanted. This is why he freed... Who, who are those rappers that he pardoned? I don't remember. That was, that was definitely a priority, but it turns out it might have actually paid off. Yeah, and then, well, people, what on earth is going on with this? Ilhan Omar! <laughs> it really is that Stone Toss meme. It really is. What is going on here? Is there a story behind this? Has she clarified? Was, was she drunk? Is was he she her brother as well? <clears throat> I don't know. Like, was this a wine tweet? Because if so, she's not deleted it. No. He really is about that. Is this some kind There's of... There's also a white fist on that. Yeah, is this some kind of dunk? Because it's not a very good one. Like, what's going on here? And it's got 14,000 likes, probably from very confused people. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, go, go and like, <laughs> I did actually like it. <laughs> go and like, is Ilan one of us now? Because she's a member of the squad. She's like yeah. um, uh, an AOC Democrat. Like, yeah. So what's going on here? Really confusing. More people, just there's so many of these. You, all you right. The secret is, and I only just learned this recently the other day. If you want to know what black Americans think about anything, you go onto Twitter. And of course, I would never recommend this, but if you were going to, you type in the soft A, right? You know, and then any subject, right? Afterwards, you type in that word and then the subject and just hit enter. And you'll have walls and walls of tweets of what black American Twitter thinks about a particular subject. Right. And th you, there's, you could just scroll for hours when it comes to Trump over the past few days. It's really strange. Really strange. Got more. And now it's Latinos as well. Get the essays in. There you are. We've got a revolution. This is just Harry's accent hour. <laughs> And this, there's this guy who says, oh, I'm, 30, I'm 33. Uh, he forgets his age halfway through. So-called blacks nowadays, we rocking with Trump, man. Even the youth, they know what time it is, man. You know what I'm saying? We ain't got to have no back and forth debates, no arguments. Yeah, we no have to pause that very quickly. He's just saying, <laughs> you know, going on? I'm, I'm 33, 34 years old. I ain't ever voted, but I'm going out. I'm voting for Trump. That's, that's what Almost heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so strange more people. Trump's a brother now. They F's with people. This one's great because this guy's just like, oh yeah, now Trump's been arrested. Now we've seen his mugshot. He's invited to all the cookouts. <laughs> I don't know what this means. I'm English. Is that a barbecue? Is that the I think that is, yeah. Is that a barbecue? Oh, okay. All right. I mean, fair play. Maybe there's, if they've served some good food, you know, maybe I'll get a mugshot out there. And then somebody sent me this because this is what I was showing earlier just a little bit because there's a a glorious, a glorious rundown of all the memes because this really is meme magic. And it doesn't just have to appeal to the more destitute communities that see a man's mugshot and think this is just like that time that I had my mugshot taken. This can appeal to everybody because really, 
how can you say no to this? The funny thing that happened as well, I, I love the Skyrim one I just saw. The funny thing that happened is when the Democrats tried to co-opt uh, and astroturf Dark Brandon. Oh, that was so cringe. Also, it seems like the Chinese might have gotten involved in that. Joe Biden at the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner decided when he remembered the timing to put the glasses on and pretend to be Dark Brandon. And that just didn't land. But one mugshot of Trump looking vengeful has become unanimously enjoyed by both sides of the aisle. Well, so unanimously enjoyed, there was, of course, that Atlantic article saying he wants you to look at him. And then we end with... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I think that's basically all I have to say on this matter. I don't think it's going to translate into any meaningful surge of votes for Trump from black Americans who wouldn't already have been voting for him anyway. But it is fun. And it is funny. And this has my, been my attempt to do a Callum segment. Because ah, it's done now. There you go. <laughs> you really were tired this weekend, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right then. So on to a more serious topic. Sorry to lower the tone, fellas. There's a human trafficking epidemic that very few people are talking about, and that is the commercial surrogacy industry and associated fertility technologies that are being developed that will create a wider black market organ trade in years to come. So I thought we need to look at some of the recent stories about the international sales of mothers and children, because this obviously needs to end, but I don't see how it will anytime soon without relentless pressure. If you want to learn more about this sort of stuff, you can go over to our website and pay us as little as £5 a month to get all the premium content, where Carl and I, in this video about the evil origins of feminism, this is a sequel to the original discussion on Beauvoir, talked about the concept of cyborg theocracy invented by the lady in the thumbnail with the glowing red eyes. And that's the idea that reproduction... Is that, that Mecca Harrington? Yes, that's <laughs> sure like that one. That's the idea that reproductive technologies have become the prerequisite for operating in the world, as Abigail Favale says. Uh, given the pill is the first transhumanist technology, it's the first time that a woman's biological system can be set to off as a default setting rather than on. So that means that it becomes the new requirement to participate in the workforce and in culture. And eventually we're going to be seeing further transhumanist gender-based technologies to augment your authentic self. And we're going to be seeing that, as I mentioned later on, with womb transplants. Yeah, it's going to be a dark one, I'm afraid. So let's go to Greece first. Um, this is a recent bust of a human trafficking ring on the island of Crete. This was eight people arrested as part of a surrogacy trafficking gang. This is since December 2022, a total of 182 incidents involving the exploitation of women within the domains of egg retrieval and surrogacy have been documented in Greece. The fertility tech clinics situated in Crete brought to light an alarming account of over 400 cases involving deceptive practices re related to sham in vitro fertilization, that's IPF. The group was allegedly engaged in human trafficking through the practice of industrial births, illicitly orchestrating baby adoptions, and perpetuating fraudulent schemes by offering counterfeit IVF treatments to unsuspecting parents. Patients. Patients, sorry. Or parents and patients, I suppose. Yeah. As per the Greek police, the syndicate capitalized on the vulnerability of certain women, manipulating them into becoming egg donors and surrogate mothers. This is something we're going to be seeing throughout. It disproportionately falls on women who have slipped through the cracks and are financially quite desperate or have come from broken homes. And so it's compounding the trauma of plenty of vulnerable people. Meanwhile, the apprehended individuals engaged in a web of deceit by orchestrating fabricated embryo transfers and facilitating unlawful adoptions. The criminal group typically reaped substantial gains from each surrogacy program, with earnings varying from between 70,000 and 100,000 euros. 
In certain instances, the nefarious enterprise even managed to amass as much as 120,000 euros. So mail-order babies, surrogacy has become a very lucrative trade, predominantly for Western women, lots of whom celebrities have their bodies as a commodity that they'd rather not ruin. So Paris Hilton recently used a surrogate because she said she was afraid of pregnancy. Well, I'm sorry if you want to be a mother, the prerequisite is to go through a pregnancy, not just because of the fact that it's the biological function, but because there's a, as part of that biological function, there's a lot of emotional bonding that goes on. It's different if you have carried the child to term because all of a sudden it has been part of you for that entire time. And there's a lot of bonding that goes on on the baby side as well, learning to recognize your voice, learning to be comfortable in you. There's so much that goes on that if you are not the one carrying the child to term, there is, there is an argument to be made that you are not the mother and that you have stolen the child's mother from you. This is what's radicalized a lot of people about gay men getting surrogates recently is the image of a weeping child immediately after the birth being ferried away from the mother that carried it to term and being handed to two men who are essentially strangers to it. One of them might have some kind of biological connection to that child for, you know, providing some of the um, some of the biological material biological material needed. But still, the mother is one of the obviously an incredibly vital part of any child. And so to take it away from that is cruel. Yeah. So the, on a very instinctual level. The baby's DNA actually lingers within the mother's system as a form of stem cells that can help repair damaged organs and fight off infections. So there there are it's almost like every child you have sustains your life form. And this is part of uh, one interesting reason why women have longer life expectancies than men, not just the difficult jobs and the stress of listening to women, I suppose. Joke. Don't fight me in the comments. And the digging deep holes and others, uh, and, and like deciding, oh, I can jump off of this and survive. Yeah, we, we do do some stupid stuff, but you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And, and so this is why, and this is something that Mary has said, uh, pregnancy doesn't just make a baby, it also makes a mother. And severing that bond between the child and the mother when the child is not capable of the rational consent presumed as part of justifying the surrogacy industry is cruel and it's wrong. And there are, there, I mean, there are other uh, vital components of motherhood that happen immediately after the baby as well. I mean, even just something as simple as breastfeeding, yes. which can be difficult for some people, but there's so many different functions that serves, not just the nourishment of the child, but the skin-to-skin -skin contact that further increases that bond that you've got going on there. Not even just to mention the practical matter of the fact that breastfeeding helps to set the baby's jawline in place properly and to position the chin and tongue properly. And it increases IQ points, has yep. been borne out. And so you're setting your child at developmental disadvantages, which are deliberately engineered by having a surrogate. It's very different to adoption, where that's actually a noble thing of where you're rescuing a child from a disadvantageous situation. You're engineering the situation to, to uh, make the babies fall at the first hurdle when the, when the life starts. And it engenders, as, as I've been through in a in a podcast with Josh on early infant childcare, it engenders high cortisol levels from the beginning of their life. It, it screws with their ability to form long-lasting relationships. It can cause to um, drug dependencies and promiscuity and things like that, like other childhood traumas can. It's just utterly cruel. And the kinds of women that go into the surrogacy industry, as we've seen with this criminal gang, are particularly vulnerable themselves. And, and so this is something else that's happening in another country that we seem so obsessed about as a bastion of democracy recently, which is Ukraine. Ukraine is the epicenter of the global surrogacy industry. And, and 
In this Guardian headline, in this, this exclusive interview, they literally say the bombs won't stop us. Business remains brisk at UK's, Ukraine surrogacy clinics. In March last year, just weeks after the start of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Remo and Amalia received an unexpected phone call from Kyiv. One of the largest surrogacy clinics in Europe was responding to the Italian couple by inviting them to the country for medical checks to begin the procedure to have a baby. So this is an Italian couple using a Ukrainian surrogate. They say, we've been trying to make the dream of having our own child come true for 10 years, said Remo, 55. So well beyond her own fertility years. And they started at 45, which I'm sorry if you've started that late, then you've got to accept the difficulties that come with it. Perhaps at that age, if you're past your biological clock running out, past the point of, you know, where it's either going to be really difficult, it's going to be massively risky for the child because it can cause Down syndrome, all sorts of physical problems. Perhaps at that point, maybe consider adoption. Yeah. If you're desperate to become a mother, if you realize that you made a mistake in not having children younger, do something kind for a child that doesn't have a family. Exactly. Rather than ripping one away from their own biological mother and commodifying the body of a poor woman in a literal war zone, but all right. Remo 55, whom the surrogacy process is still continuing, it won't be bombs or the war that will stop us. Surrogacy clinics, which have thrived in Ukraine thanks to a liberal legal framework, We'll get back to that later. Are still doing brisk business with hundreds of foreigners coming to Kiev despite the war, mostly from Italy. It's Georgia. Kiev. Same thing. Georgia Maloney's trying to put a stop to that. She's outlawed that. I think the same sex couples, at least. Romania, Germany, and Britain. So there's a massive UK trade doing that at the moment. So we need to stop that. According to data from surrogacy clinics in Ukraine, more than a thousand children have been born in Ukraine to surrogate mothers since the beginning of the Russian invasion. 600 of them were born at the Biotexcom clinic in Kiev, Kiev, whatever, one of Europe's largest surrogacy clinics. Even in the first months of the war, foreign couples would still come here from all over the world to pick up their children. Ihor Peconia, who is the medical director at Biotex.com, told The Guardian. We'll come back to that fella in a moment. It seems beyond anything else irresponsible. If yes. You're talking, um, if it's Kiev, if that's one of the places where they have been bombed, and is one of the epicenters of the Russian offensive that they're trying to focus on because obviously it's a, where the leadership is and all sorts of other resources are, are held. Well, then you, I don't care. You should shut it down just for the safety of the people involved in it. The other less well-funded firms that operate in this liberal framework have been found to have just orphaned the children because they haven't been able to get them out of the country because of the war. So they're generating orphans for profit. Yeah, it's genuinely quite horrible, but okay. He said, the number of requests today are at pre-war level and we receive more requests than we can take. So genuine war profiteering, great. Last year, Biotex.com uh, Biotex.com had 50 pregnant women in Ukrainian territories occupied by Russian forces, so more across the country, I would assume. Obtaining a child through Biotex.com clinic costs about 40,000 euros. Pekiona says more than half of that sum goes to the surrogate mothers. Ah, so at least they're moderately compensated for destroying the life of a child. Obtaining a child through, uh, sorry, Dana's partner is also fighting on the front line. So this is a woman they interview in here and in the south of Ukraine. She has four children of her own and is undertaking her first surrogacy for an Italian couple. Quote, this is from her, the only reason why I agreed to do this is just for financial benefits. Plus, since my husband left for the front line, I need a way to support my four other children. So taking vulnerable women in a war zone who would otherwise need community help and commodifying their bodies for the benefits of rich Western white women who have left it far beyond their prime. This isn't a very, very good thing. Uh, why, why Ukraine specifically, though? So it's not just the fact they can export a war zone. It's because the government there seems to be pretty hands-off 
over the kind of people they're conscripting into this and some of the ethical complications. In Pakona's own words, we're looking for women in the former Soviet republics because logically, the women have to be from poorer places than our clients. That's just the admission. Because otherwise, women wouldn't choose to do something like this if they had other financial options to, uh, to go fall back on. Yeah, they're not desperate enough in other countries for us to use them as the raw materials for the ambition of gay couples or women that just left. And I think raw materials is right because you are, as you say, just outright commodifying these women's bodies and a process that is, in a sense, magical and should be something that is um, sacred in a yes. way that shouldn't just be sold off. Yeah, absolutely. And so this isn't just a feminist talking point. Like, no, this is this is an actual example of the commodification of women's bodies at the expense of childhood well-being. Which it is something we should all a, care about. It doesn't have to be a feminist talking point if you're talking about the well-being of the children. Exactly. As well. Yes. Uh, so Ukraine's commercial surrogacy industry com contributes over 1.5 billion to the country's economy in 2018. That's the reason they don't want to crack down on it. Yep. Money. The industry was valued at over 14 billion in 2022 and is projected to grow by around 25% annually in the coming years. The Biotech's Com Center for Reproduction is by far the biggest player in the international surrogacy market. The owner of Reproductive Technology Services Provider claimed that in 2018, the company controlled a mammoth 70% of the national surrogacy market and 25% of the global market. A quarter of the entire global market is currently from this war zone from this company that decides to say, yeah, we know that women in other countries aren't poor enough to exploit. Major problems here. According to The Atlantic, the company even secured a bomb shelter to ensure that newborn production can continue unimpeded in the event of an attack. Newborn production. Yeah. Such a horribly, horribly inhumane way of saying it. Yep. A video published by Biotech's Com in early 2022 showed a typical shelter equipped with not only beds and sleeping bags, but cribs and gas masks as well. A primetime promotional ABC news package on the company celebrated its Russian bomb-proof baby factories, declaring Ukrainian surrogacy agency does whatever it takes to keep patients safe. Others. Others who are having their children stolen from them. This is obviously the kind of logical excess of autonomy-maximizing liberalism, which says, well, just because this woman consented, never mind the conditions of duress under which she consented, she can become the raw materials for someone else's personal ambition, even though the baby itself also cannot consent because a baby doesn't choose who it's born to and a child is not capable of consent, no matter how much the UN tries to tell me so. In case this wasn't dystopian enough, quote, in 50 years, the population of most countries of the world will be reduced by half. So Tolovsky, the German owner of Biotechscom, has argued that as long as his company remains at the forefront of wider biotechnical industries, it promises to deliver a future in reproductive biotechnology where babies are generated in artificial wombs and genes are edited with computers. Do you remember ExoLife? That, that big baby factory thing, the proof of concept that was put out, that looked a lot like the Matrix, where you can have your own personal gestation pod in the comfort of your own home? I, I don't. No. Nope. I haven't horrified you with that yet. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go and Google that, ladies and gentlemen, because that's that's becoming a reality. I think I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. So in an interview with the Ukrainian newspaper Dalo, Tchelovsky discussed the digital economy in the context of the reproductive technology industry, referencing climbing infertility rates and theories of population collapse presented by the biotechnology uh, presented by the tech billionaire Elon Musk and Chinese businessman Jack Ma. Tchelovsky said that biotechnology will save the human race. Reproductive medicine is the future of humanity. The most important thing is ectogenesis, the ability to raise a child outside the human body, an artificial uterus, something like factories we all saw in the movie The Matrix. <laughs> Why do people see the future dystopian fictions and think, wow, great idea? That's an instruction manual. Also, climbing infertility rates. Yes. What is the evidence for such a thing? Because there's the, the WHO said one in six. 
One in six being infertile. Yeah. Experiencing fertility problems or being infertile. Experiencing fertility problems. Um, I think we've covered this before, but it slipped my mind exactly what the problems causing those infertility issues were. Do you remember it all? So there is some speculation about something that cannot be discussed on YouTube, but we don't have any evidence in for that. There is also, and I've, as I've spoken to Stephen Shaw about this, the fact that education and economic circumstances and cultural attitudes are elongating the date at which people try and conceive their first child. And yeah, because I was reach, thinking that would have something to do with it. So it's personal choice. Um, also, economic circumstances caused by the government, that's beyond our scale. But for people who are of the proper age who should be at the peak of their fertility, who are experiencing fertility problems, would it be something that I would say, like, maybe a proper diet, exercise, and maybe drinking um, bottled or distilled water might be able to help with. Yeah, also not taking the birth control pill because it just so happens that sperm rates globally have declined 62% in the last 50 years since the introduction of the birth control pill, probably due to water runoff. And also the pill itself can cause long-term fertility complications for women because if you set your biological function to off for so long, your body can start getting used to it. And messes with all your hormones as well. That's literally why some people can't take it because if you've got certain problems with your own hormones already or if it can cause... Uh, or if you've got a family history of blood clots, for instance, you're not allowed to take it because it can cause even more problems. Yes. So ladies, just don't take the pill. Listen to the advice of the other feminists that tell you to get rid of it as well. Um, he says, I think within five to seven years, we'll get ectogenesis. So gestating babies outside the womb. What? And he says that his company, so the one that lots of wealthy women are buying from that controls 25% of the, of the surrogacy trade around the world, is actively working in this direction. When asked how they plan to resolve the multitude of legal and ethical issues surrounding his futuristic baby factories, the CEO said, the most important thing is to prohibit law enforcement agencies from interfering in the work. So you should not be looking into the exploitative practices that we do because it will get in our way of making baby factories. Just like the Matrix. I, right. I'm always recently I've found my mind drifting over to the old TED, TED talk that Sam Hyde gave in particular the bit where um, gave a TED talk have you not seen it no I'll have to show it to you it's fantastic it's Sam Hyde's what is it 27 2070 paradigm shift that's what it was right. called um, and it, it, there's a particular clip from it I'm just thinking what what happens if the federal agents come in and start trying to shut us down there's a clip of him just going we're just gonna kill him we're just gonna kill them. I'm just imagining that being the primary thought of anybody who thinks about this, where they're like, oh, well, what if somebody tries to stop us? Well, we'll just kill them. Yeah, kind of Bond villain strategy, pr pretty much. Uh, so just in case you weren't perturbed enough, well, when the babies actually come over here or when the babies are being gestated in America, where commercial surrogacy is, is legal, uh, there are some problems. So Louise Perry's documented this in the Spectator piece. So last July, this is July 2022, Albert and Anthony San Sanninger filed a lawsuit against a high-end California fertility clinic because they tried to have a second boy. Their surrogate gave birth to a baby daughter. Already choosing male names and Gmail accounts for their future son, the couple had explicitly made clear that no female embryo embryos were to be transferred into the body of their surrogate when they had two failed cycles of IVF after a successful pregnancy in 2020. Now, to add to the trauma of being forced to live with a healthy baby girl instead of a male, the Sanningers were forced to spend staggering amounts of money raising the two boys and, want the, uh, and wanted a, uh, they wanted and a girl, all bought via fertility clinic services. They sued the clinic for reckless and or intentional implantation of a female baby. 
After all, they'd already spent more money for the creation of their babies than most middle-class people spend on their children over the course of a decade. You people sicken me. Yeah, genuinely. Jesus Christ, you've got a baby daughter who's not even really your daughter. Um, You've taken away from her own mother. And then what? You're going to sue the clinic for doing it in the first place. You've created a life off of your own back using your old, uh, own money. And you're, what, sickened at the idea that it's... A... Yeah. So they're creating legal precedent, historically, over the fact that their daughter is now unwanted. We've gone too far. Yep. Um, even, even more, just to, just to really annoy you, a gay couple, so they wanted a, their surrogate mother because she got a breast cancer diagnosis to then abort their baby and then demanded they get a death certificate to prove it because they said they didn't want their DNA out there. So, um, a disturbing report. Every single one of these people should... Uh, I'll stop myself before yep. I say go too far. So this is the Center for Bioethics. This is a Californian gay couple, always California. They wanted the surrogate mother carrying their child to have an abortion after she was given a t- cancer diagnosis. So this is according to the CBC president and founder, Jennifer Lowell. Um, the woman, whose remains nameless, was carrying the child for a gay couple. The woman is married, mother of four, who had already volunteered to be a surrogate mother before she and she had a good experience, so she wanted to try again and try and help someone else. Again, the noble intentions, but the entire industry is morally bankrupt. This time, the experience was horrible because when she was about 24 weeks along, she had a very, very bad breast cancer diagnosis. And so she, she had been advised that the treatment would lead her to possibly threaten the life of the unborn child. So the woman refused an abortion, and she sought a hospital that would allow her to deliver the baby early so she could begin treatment for the cancer. So the baby would be delivered prematurely. It would run the risk of some health complications, but it could still still be born. Because at 24 weeks, then the baby, if given the proper medical attention, can still survive. Exactly. And so she would be able to save her own life and the child's. But California law, and this refuses to, to refer to mothers who are surrogates as mothers. They call them gestational carriers. So birthing vessels, that sort of gender-neutral language again. They consider the intended parents the child's parents. So you have ownership rights over the body of the woman that is carrying your child, in air quotes. And unequivocally, it states, the surrogate and the surrogate spouse or partner is not a parent of and has no parental rights or duties with respect to the child or children. So the gay intended parents in the case wanted the surrogate to abort the baby. They didn't want the baby to be born early because the baby would have wow, medical care involved. Wow, really care about that child then. Yeah, it brings into question how they would have treated it had the child survived. They may have continued severe medical needs throughout the child's life, and they, they said they didn't want anyone else adopting the child, even the surrogate herself who offered, because, quote, they didn't want their DNA out there being raised by someone else. The baby is not a product, you gross people. The surrogate ultimately found a hospital willing to induce labor and to deliver the baby. The woman went un- underwent birth, but the baby sadly died during the process. So it's just a tragedy all around, genuinely. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's really horrible. Yeah. There's not much else I can say about it. No. And, and so the, the message of just the midpoint, um, babies aren't to be bought and sold, nor, nor should women's bodies be. Uh, this, this article points it out. Currently, India and Thailand They've banned this commercial surrogacy practice because they know that overseas rich people will go into villages and try and commercialize women yeah. who are desperate enough to try and engage in the practice. And then you'll end up with these situations which are just harrowing all round. Exactly. And so to, to quote from Louisa Perry's earlier article, purchasing, purchasing children is not a human right and women are not vending machines. Surrogacy does not incur, uh, occur out of any true regard for the physical or emotional needs of the babies being bought. Ban it. And I agree. However, 
most legislation runs into a tech problem. And the tech problem we're facing, as has happened last week, is that for the first time in the UK, we now have wound transplants. Now, this might sound like a positive innovation because as involved here, this is a 34-year-old woman. She was born with a rare condition, so her womb never properly developed. And her sister, who is 40, who has already had two children, said, I don't want any more. Here you go. So you can have your own children. And that's the first time this has happened in the UK. I saw people celebrating this without the context that it was a woman, because clearly they were probably trying to sell it as a man finally gets womb implanted successfully. Now he's a real woman. But no, it was a woman that it happened to. We'll get on to that. So the second woman is is due to have this happen later in the autumn. Uh, Surgeons have already approved 10 prospective uh, operations eligible for for this to happen with. But something buried in this article is that they're using brain-dead donors for the wounds. So do you remember a little while ago when there was that weird proposal that comatose and brain-dead women would have their wombs harvested? Or when they're in a coma, they could just be used to gestate the baby if they signed over license to do so. We've genuinely got there of where we're harvesting the organs of, of brain-dead women for this. Yeah, so this has already happened in America. Um, this is a wholesome story, actually. This is Peyton Maeve. She's 29. She said one daughter with her transplanted womb and also adopted another daughter because wanted to have children, seemed like a very wholesome and happy family. And she said, I'd love for more women to be able to have this option as another avenue outside surrogacy and adoption. And she's right. This would be a great way to replace the surrogacy industry and help women through no fault of their own who face fertility problems. There's one in six that haven't just left it too long, but have rare genetic conditions. That that would be great. But of course, what's probably going to happen is that um, trans women, who are obviously women, are going to start giving birth through their neo-vaginas through implanted wounds. Like that the Danish girl wanted to do all those years ago. And there are also just some unreported side effects that I want to finish on just from a healthy transplant, even if you're not brain dead and it's not going to a trans woman. Um, this is something that's been reported by Sonia Soda, who's been quite hot on this issue actually for The Observer. So turns out The Guardian, you know, cl- broken clocks and all that, I suppose. Read the medical papers and the list of risks for living wound donors, and it's dizzying. Urinary tract infections, fecal impaction, wound infection, bladder hypotonia, leg and buttock pain, anemia, respiratory failure, during anesthesia, depression, early menopause, one in 10 of the donors in 45 analyzed cases required further surgery. The medical team that carried out the UK transplant have developed techniques that reduced that, but certainly not eliminated. Scroll up, please. Sorry. It's all right. I was reading that. Certainly not eliminated the risks. How did none of this make it into the news reports? And so what I think is you're probably going to get a black market or even worse, a de facto legal market of organ harvesting of vulnerable and comatose and possibly dead women to transplant into women who have had fertility problems for no fault of their own, or women that have left it too long, or trans women. And so that could eliminate the surrogacy trade. But even until then, the surrogacy trade is still going on in impoverished countries and literal war zones that are orphaning and or selling children that have been separated from their mothers. And so how this hasn't been declared a human trafficking trade is beyond me. And so I think we just just need legislative action here. It just should be illegal to traffic a child overseas from a poor country that you've purchased. Um, Surrogacy is horrible. And as you said, there should be certain things so sacred that they're beyond commodification. Um, A civilized society would stop this. So we should. And with that, I suppose we're on to the comments. Yeah, yeah, let's go on to the... We've not got any video comments. Sorry, I'm just recovering from the whiplash. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. My segment was fun and joyous. 
and amusing. And I thought it was too. Im- I thought it was too important not to. Uh, no, no, no. I, I appreciate that. So. Uh, let's go on to uh, the written comments. Do you want to read? Sure, can do. Segment? Someone online. So London is officially a prison city now, and the Londoners are serfs. Well, you could have been forgiven, judging by the architecture, that it already was a prison city, because certain areas are like Judge Dredd. Serfs had it better. Yes. Serfs, serfs honestly had it better, because they had a plot of land that was theirs to tend to. Yeah, you needed to give, what, like 10% of whatever you were harvesting? To, to your liege lord, but beyond that... At least you mostly cared about you, and at least you were subsisting for an immediate family who liked you, to see you. You and knew you him on a personal basis, and if you said, oh, by the way, there's this problem going on, he'd probably try and do something, because he's got to see you on a day-to-day basis. And honestly, hearing people moan on a day-to-day basis is enough to get people to do things. See, Khan doesn't care about you, doesn't care about any of your worries, doesn't care about the fact that you can't even have a plot of land, you've got a tiny cupboard, somewhere where you're probably even in that cupboard got a cordoned off pit where your bed is and you're sharing it with three other people who are probably all prostitutes. London's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Also, apparently, uh, I, as one of the native white Londoners, don't represent my own city anymore. No longer indigenous. No, no. No, I've, I've had my white card taken away from me, I suppose. Lord Nerevar, it's amazing how effective the Ulez freedom fighters have been. A majority of new cameras are now inactive because of the work of these heroes. I, I cannot endorse that, I'm afraid. Goes to show how even in the heart of darkness, we still know who we are. Um, yes, the radicalized telegram boomers are very effective. Let's just say right now that any positive remarks that we read from the comments here are purely being reported by us and are not being endorsed by us. Yes. Even if we laugh. Yes, we're, we're, not, we're not allowed to endorse the Blade Runners going out in the middle of the night and saving people money. The French Lotus hater. Cheers. What do we do? Cheers. <laughs> Here's an idea. Let's create ultra-low politician zones in London. That will solve all the problems. Yeah, can we just push them all up to Manchester? I mean, that's happening at the Soviet Party Conference anyway. Well, they're right next to... As you would expect, they're right next to the gay village in Manchester, so it's going to be localised. Yeah, it's Canal Street without the sea. Um, Richard, <laughs> how do I say your last name? Okay, I'm going to give it a crack, Richard. Just don't be mad at me. Monikendum? Monikendum, that's what it looks Richard like. Richard Monikendum, right. Euler's joke legislation, joke mayor, joke TFL, scrap them all. I used to love London. I hate it now because the assholes who live there and vote for this crap. Sorry, Connor, glad I live up north with heathen scum. Actual Londoners are all right. Like Your actual London indigenous cab driver uh, is a good hearty man, but the other new Londoners, the Bethnal Green types, no. Uh, Rose Ganella, as any mechanical engineering student could tell you, there's simply no way to secure something so that it absolutely cannot be broken into. Again, that's not advice. Purely reporting. SH Silver, if anyone's skeptical that our rulers want climate lockdowns, look at how they openly praise these schemes and seek to expand them. Never underestimate the lengths our managerial elite will go to. Yeah, there's also all the flower boxes blocking off roads and increasing congestion. It's not about the air. similarly reached some civil uh, disobedience as well. But that was in Oxford, wasn't that it? That was in Oxford, yes, when you had people just moving them out of the way or blocking the barriers that they were starting to put up on the roads because the, you need the roads for even the emergency services to get to places. The politicians, the, that's why our politicians are just, this is why some of them with some things that they talk about is just stupid because they are shooting themselves in the foot for the basic services to be provided, unless of course they want you dead. But you know, with Josh here, it. he would have the response. But Harry, without politicians, who would block the roads? 
at which point we'd laugh at him for being a libertarian. Anyway, SH Silver, if anyone's skeptical that I'll... Uh, sorry, I've already read that one. Matt P, I love how Sadiq pretends to be an average commuter with his little satchel for photos, despite his armed bodyguard being right in front of him. He's a real Londoner, guys. Yeah, he was caught as well driving around in a Range Rover that dropped him off around the corner that then unfolded a bike from around the corner so he could ride it around for a photo op. It's like, what was his name? Um, Roger Hallam from Extinction Rebellion, whose personal farm had, I think, at least four large diesel vehicles on it because he's a farmer. Athelstan, it's obvious that the tyranny they force us out of our cars against democratic opinion on the decision rather than, in, than incentivize the discovery of better alternatives. London had this before. They wanted to restrict horse, and, horse use in the city due to the amount of manure piling up, but the solution was the invention of the automobile. Yeah, that was the same in New York, I believe. Um, Matt P, Mums for Lungs Ladies is a stereotypical midwit feminist woman, no doubt an NHSHR manager or something. Yeah, you'll soon see her in the audience of questions on him, I'm sure. Oh, I bet. And one last one from Matt. Government has all the power when it's something they want and none when they don't. Same old story. Yeah, typical. Yeah, so on to my segment's comments. So Shaker Silver again says, I know it's in jest, but the poor African-American community is one that thinks the system is against them. So it's no wonder they are now identifying with the man being made into an avatar of persecution by the system. It is leaving, leading to the populist unity that the system fears the most. I've been reliably told that populism is a delusion. <laughs> See, I want to get behind that kind of, um, that, that kind of optimism there, but realistically, time and time again, it has been shown that race is the great dividing line of America, and that one way or another, it will be divided, uh, purposefully or not, and you will get people who will vote for the party that most promises to give their race most benefits, which will always be the Democrats because the Republicans aren't as willing to just go out and say, here's your free Gibbs, here's your freebies, here's your freebies. Or if they are, it will never be as much as the Democrats are willing to give out in the first place. You've got third parties who would be willing to be more fair to both of them because once again, like in the UK, it seems to me that the US has a bit of a uniparty going on except for a few rogues specifically on the GOP side. Um, but most people aren't going to vote for them outside of maybe local elections in, say, New Hampshire, where I, as far as I'm aware, the Libertarian Party has a decent enough foothold in New Hampshire. But uh, Ethel Stan says, the issue with Trump is that he truly turns off some of the Republican base in ways that DeSantis and Vivek don't. That's not never true. DeSantis now. DeSantis, DeSantis has burned a lot De oh, of yeah. political capital. De DeSantis would have had you know, yellow brick road paved for him if he had just stayed out of this one, waited for Trump to finish his second term if he got in, and then just applied from there, went in from there. Um, he has been shown to be, for the most part, when it comes to his debates and everything else he's involved with, in a bit of a charisma black hole. He's a spurg. And yeah, and he's been going on a lot of Same. talk. <laughs> he's been going on a lot of talks about how he's going to persecute anti-Semitism in third world countries as well, who are hives of anti-Semitism, which just sounds like yet more neocon excuses for forever wars. Well, he did that exact bill that applied to Floridians despite the First Amendment to stop anti-Semitic hate speech. And he signed it in Israel. Yes. Very interesting. But uh, otherwise, the, uh, Ethelson says he's the biggest energizer for Joe Biden votes. People will vote for Biden who would not otherwise, but just because they hate Trump so much. You also wonder how many of his people he can recruit if he keeps leaving loyal members like Ellis out to dry when they are penalized for helping. Well, actually, the generalist jumped over to the DeSantis camp. So that's why he's left her out to dry. But that's, that's just a personal loyalty thing of someone that's running against you as president. I, get, like, I, I think, yeah, Trump's got his faults, like the, the appointing of Anthony Fauci and the deficit spending and things like that. But if, if you sincerely think that anyone other than Trump at this moment is capable of winning not just Republican nomination, but the presidential nomination, 
you're kidding yourself. Yeah, he brings out an animus in the establishment, which is shocking because it def- it shows how desperate they are to keep him out. So if anything, that just once again paints him as the only truly anti-establishment figure out there. They're not going that hard against Vivek. They're certainly not going that hard against DeSantis. Obviously, DeSantis, when he was making independent moves in Florida, they went after him a bit. But in his presidential run, they've been much, much kinder to him. He's got a much larger war chest from the GOP establishment as well. Kevin Fox says, there were more people at that roadside cheering for the Trump convoy than turn out for a DNC rally with Biden and Harris. Yeah, probably. Graham Conway, it is a delicious irony that the Dems have ginned up the idea for decades that law enforcement and the system are out to get black people, and now it looks like it may backfire on them spectacularly. Roll on 2024, it's going to be fascinating. Once again, I will be interested to see if this does translate into even a slight uptick in uh, black voters for him, because I think he got, what, 11%? He's trending upwards. 2020 from black voters. So I don't know the exact number. It'll be interesting. And letter M is for my new album cover, says, I agree with Harry on the organic nature of the free Trump cheering. Note the lack of rent-a-mob signs. Yeah. That's a good point. If you've got these brand new placards you're waving about that have been professionally made, you are not an organic mob of people. Yeah, stand up to racism missed out on that particular Socialist Workers Party of England particularly guilty of this. Yes. Uh, someone online, selling and buying people is not okay, no ifs or buts. Um, Yes, contemporary culture would seem to disagree. Robert Longshaw, I'm looking forward to when we can clone our own body parts. I'm going to get more nuts cloned to myself and attached. That would affirm my gender. I'm going to call them extracles. <laughs> I'm not paid enough to read this out. Athelstan95, slippery slope is real. Through porn and abortion, we've diminished the value of women and children. Through sperm donors and welfare, we've greenlit the removal of fathers. Through gender ideology, we've removed the spiritual and biological importance of motherhood and the family structure, and through the destruction of traditional marriage, we have eradicated the desire for the nuclear family structure to raise healthy children. Yes, if you haven't watched Evil Origins of Feminism Part 2, you will see how lots of this germinated in the tech and then retroactively legitimated lots of the feminist theory that was just sort of hoping for the birth control pill to come about. Matt, Russian bomb-proof baby factories wasn't something I expected to hear today. Yeah, me neither. Well, we present only the tastiest of black pills on the podcast, Low Caesars. So if you live, we actually had a whole incident here in Denmark where surrogate mothers changed their mind at the end of pregnancies and fled the country with their unborn baby to avoid giving it up. There are huge psychological implications. I mean, that's, that's what I was talking about. When the baby is in there, it's not just the fact that, oh, I'm just ra- I've just got a baby in me. You feel it grow. You see it develop. You start to feel the kicks. You start to feel it shift around inside of you. There's no chance of being able to avoid the psychological implications of the bond that is formed through that. This is a fissure that shows that consent cannot be the only moral standard because you can never accurately define the parameters of what non-coerced consent constitutes. Uh, I, can, I can only hope that for those mothers who escaped with the unborn baby that they also had a man who was able to support them as well. Yeah, agreed. Historians look back at World War II and how women often threw themselves at soldiers in return for food and money as a horrific side effect of war. In the modern world, are we seeing women being taken advantage of by civilians and seen as a perfectly viable business structure? Uh, yes, this is why they often say prostitution is the oldest profession. It's because it wasn't necessarily one that lots of women enjoyed, but it's often out of necessity. And he adds, as the final comment, people who pay for their children see the surrogate as breeder of the child, uh, breeder and the child as a fashion accessory, rather than showing gratitude to God for the miracle of the gift of life. They have no biological or metaphysical connection to the child or the mother. Also a very important dimension. Yeah, Absolutely, I, I agree there. But on that note, I think that's all we've got time for. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Remember that tomorrow, Connor, Carl and I will be sitting around having a laugh at 3.30 on Rumble about Logan Hall being utterly humiliated 
It's so over for him. He's never coming back. And um, yeah, watch out for that. And the podcast will be on tomorrow at one o'clock UK time as well. So see you then. Take care.